Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. We knew this hour would come, Algernon, with so much negativity out there in the world, especially during the holiday season. Aren't there just occasions where we need to sit up and recognize people that have done something positive for society? Well, we do that each and every week on this program as part of... The Other Side of Midnight presents... I must commend a thief in in, uh, South Carolina. We don't know this thief's name, but it took place, this crime took place in the city of Greenville, South Carolina. Here's what happened. There's a, a restaurant, a local bonjour crepe restaurant, and someone actually stole a Santa Claus display. On December 14th from the restaurant. Now, you think, who would do that? What kind of miserable person would ever steal a Santa Claus display in December? So the city said the suspect stole Santa overnight and that police were looking for those involved. So there's local news reports on this. But it was the thief himself or herself. It was the Santa thief who returned the Santa display to the restaurant on his own, according to a reporter with WSPA-TV in the Carolinas. So the reporter declined to comment on the story, but the restaurant's owner, Myra Gallo, um, chose not to file charges. And... um, Apparently, this thief, who we don't know this person's name, they're using the name Melvin for the thief. I don't know if that's a pseudonym or if that was actually his name, was surprisingly there the next day after the local news ran the story in front of the restaurant. So the owner went up to Melvin. Melvin had flowers for the owner and apologized. And the owner said, well, you know, If you really are serious about apologizing, I want you to apologize on camera. So they find Henry Coburn, this local reporter who did the story. And the thief apologizes on camera. So the thief told Henry Coburn that he'd been drunk on the night that Santa was stolen. He saw the display and wanted to steal it because it looked cool. The thief said he felt bad for what happened and would do whatever it took to make it right, including paying for damages, work for free, whatever it took. He wanted to fix it. He said, I'm really sorry. And uh, I know know saying sorry doesn't do anything, but I promise I'll do better. And I'm commending this person because we all make mistakes, right? And uh, especially when we're a little intoxicated or maybe more than a little intoxicated. And it's the fact that how you deal with these mistakes that makes you the kind of person you are. And uh, this person, Melvin, really dealt with this appropriately. In my judgment, this is exactly, if you make a mistake, 
whether it's because you're under the influence or not, this is what you should do. You should own up to it, apologize, and do whatever you can to try and make it better. And I can't think of a better, I can't think of a better um, situation than than this one to highlight uh, at the holiday season. And I must commend the soccer team for Argentina. Argentina, you know, I actually watched. This was the first World Cup game that I actually watched. I figured it's going to be such a big deal. Everyone's talking about it. Let me at least watch it. So I end up watching the end of the regular game between Argentina and France. And then it goes into overtime. But my son has taken to chewing on the remote control and playing with the remote control and and changing channels on. He has a way of putting things on the television that I didn't even know we got, right? I, you look up. I never know what's going to be on. So anyway, he turned off the World Cup, so I didn't get to see the exciting conclusion. But uh, Argentina won it uh, in overtime in a very, very, in a shootout with Messi, who is one of the apparently best soccer players in the world. My knowledge of organized soccer is less than zero. And he scored twice in what they're saying is one of the most exciting World Cup finals in history. So I know a lot of people were following this closely, but even if you weren't, to be able to win the entire World Cup is an incredible accomplishment. I have my problems with FIFA. I have my problems with Qatar and how this World Cup was run. But... um, you can't take anything away from the athletes involved here. So as far as the Argentinian soccer team, I do commend you. I must also commend Nelly Chaboy. Nelly Chaboy in 2019 quit a lucrative software engineering job in Chicago. Why? Well, she did this in order to go create computer labs for Kenyan school children. She has a nonprofit group called Tech Lit Africa, and it has provided thousands of students across rural Kenya with access to donated, upcycled computers. And it's giving these kids, these kids in Kenya, a real chance at a brighter future. She um, was voted on by the public as the 2022 CNN Hero of the Year. So she's going to receive $100,000 to expand her work, and she and the other top 10 CNN heroes were all um, honored yesterday, and they'll all also receive a $10,000 cash award. So uh, commendation to you, Nellie Chaboy. Great, great opportunity that she's given to the folks at... uh, you know, in Kenya. I also want to commend the British soccer fans. Now, this is maybe even a more remarkable accomplishment than what the Argentinian World Cup soccer team did. British soccer fans at the World Cup in Gadar behaved so impeccably that none of them, in the first time that anybody can remember, none of them were arrested. That's right. Not a single soccer fan from either England or Wales was arrested. Um, We don't know the last time this has happened. The No British soccer fans arrested at the World Cup. But this is what we like to see. The British soccer fans are doing the same thing that the Santa Thief did, which is they're learning from their behavior and they're doing the right thing. So kudos to you, British soccer fans. Let's see this again in four years, shall we? 
I must also commend Rishi Rajpopat, a Ph.D. student studying at the University of Cambridge. He came across this ancient language puzzle, which was impossible to solve, or so we thought. So this student, Rishi Rajpopat, Ph.D. student, has decoded this code, which was thought of as impossible to decode. It was a rule taught by Panini, which is not a sandwich, but an Indian grammarian. He was the founder of the Grammarian Angels before uh, Curtis Slewa took over. And uh, he was an Indian grammarian who's believed to have lived in northwest Pakistan and southeast Afghanistan in the 5th century B.C. Scholars have referred to him as one of the fathers of linguistics itself. Curtis just gets to father all those two dozen children he's got. And Sanskrit is an ancient, classical, Indo-European language from South Asia. And it's the literary language of Hinduism. It's also how much of India's greatest science, philosophy, poetry, and other literature has been written. It's spoken um, by about 25,000 people today. So this puzzle was written in Sanskrit. There's only 25,000 people that even speak Sanskrit. So it's pretty difficult to decipher for the first, you know, in the first place. But Raj Popat decoded this 2,500-year-old algorithm um, that can accurately use Panini's language machine for the first time. And this system consists of 4,000 rules and it's detailed in a word I can't pronounce, which, but it's considered his greatest work. And it's believed to have been written 500 B.C. And it's meant to work like a machine where the base and the suffix of a word are fed in and a step-by-step process should turn them in to grammatically correct words and phrases. So Panini had this incredible mind and he built this machine that was unrivaled in human history. And... Sure enough, nobody could figure out how to decode it. Nobody could figure out how to work it until this guy. And I think this is a remarkable human achievement. Absolutely incredibly. Um, He used a very new interpretation for this algorithm and was able to figure out how to get this language machine, basically, to work. So it's a remarkable discovery, I think. And I want to give a commendation to Tom Brady. Tom Brady, whatever you think about him and his time with the Patriots and his time with the Buccaneers and his marriage to Giselle Giselle Bündchen and the fact that he's 900 years old and he's still playing professional football. Last Sunday, he really showed, I think, what kind of person he is, what kind of athlete and the kind of guy he was. So last Sunday, not yesterday, but the previous week, He was playing against the San Francisco 49ers. That was the team he grew up rooting for. He grew up rooting for quarterbacks like Joe Montana and Steve Young, and he got to play against the team that he grew up wishing to play for, basically. And he did awfully, awfully. The Bucs lost 35-7. to Tom Brady threw a whole bunch of interceptions. Sure enough... After the game, one of the fellas, uh, Dre 
Greenlaw, a linebacker for the 49ers, the opposing team. Dre Greenlaw caught one of Tom Brady's interceptions. This is a young guy. I think he's 24 years old. Tom Brady's 45. This guy has been a fan of Tom Brady since he was a child. He goes up to Tom Brady after the game and asks him to sign the ball that he intercepted. So understand, Brady throws an interception. Greenlaw catches it. And then after the game, after Brady's team gets crushed, Greenlaw goes up to Brady and asks him to sign the ball. He says, look, I've been a fan of yours since I was a kid. You're a legend. And Tom Brady, to his credit, signed the ball. Um, I think that is the mark of a good sport. And uh, really, even um, even Greenlaw said he's a good guy. The 49ers, the team that just beat the Buccaneers, he they tweeted about what a class act Tom Brady was. Um, Brady is a fierce competitor, and he, by his own admission, he's somebody that has called himself a bad sport. Remember, he didn't shake Nick Foles, the quarterback for the Eagles, hand when the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, well, I think he might be softening because this is a classy thing to do. So I got to give uh, Tom Brady a commendation for that. I also want to give these students at a school in Great Britain, by the way, again, I want to stress no British soccer fans arrested at the World Cup this year. Good for them. I want to give these students at this school in Britain, the Gesher School, which is a Jewish school for students with special education needs in England, a commendation. They have constructed, they have broken a Guinness World Record by constructing an 18-foot menorah out of Legos. They used 80,000 Lego bricks to make this menorah. This is incredible. It took them a year under the instruction of teaching assistant Danny Cazado, a former Lego employee. The menorah looks great, and currently Guinness is evaluating this record. But uh, this is really impressive. So kudos to the students and this teaching assistant here. Uh, last night, of course, the first night of Hanukkah, we, we lit a menorah in our house. So happy Chanukah to everybody that is celebrating. Let me also give a commendation to Joyce DeFaw. She is a much older student than the ones that I just told you about. Joyce DeFaw of Illinois, 90 years old. Last Sunday, she received a bachelor's degree from Northern Illinois University, more than seven decades after she first set foot on campus, becoming what officials believe to be the oldest person ever to graduate from the school. I think this is extraordinary. You know, for all this uh, talk of, uh, oh, Trump's too old, Biden's too old, Pelosi's too old, this person's too old, that person's too old— I love hearing stories about this of older folks continuing their education, older folks staying active. For some reason, I think there's some folks that believe, in my case as well, 
that once you get to a certain age, you're too old for blank. You're too old for this. You're too old for that. What Joyce Defoe is doing here in getting this bachelor's degree at 90 years old and becoming the oldest person at the um, at, the, at uh, Northern Illinois University ever to get a bachelor's degree, I think she's sending a very powerful message to all of us that you're never too old to do anything, to do anything. Let me also commend Elon Musk. I had denounced Elon Musk on Friday, rightly so, for being a little hypocritical on the free speech issue by suspending the accounts of all those uh, journalists that were tweeting about where his jet would go. Well, to his credit, Elon Musk has reinstated the Twitter account of those journalists that were suspended for um, publishing public data about the billionaire's plane. You know, Elon Musk has the opportunity to do something really neat here, really special, and that's show that free speech can work in the world of social media. But it doesn't work if he's just going to be suspending the accounts of people that he didn't like or doesn't like. So I think that is a that is a positive step. Finally, and perhaps most important, I want to give a commendation to the family of New York City firefighter William Moon. Unfortunately, um, William Moon was uh, critically hurt when he fell from a makeshift scaffolding while preparing for a drill in Crown Heights on Monday. He died, but his family has made the decision to donate his organs. And they did this because, as in the words of the fire commissioner, Laura Cavanaugh, he was very passionate about organ donation. And just as he saved countless lives working out of the firehouse, he'll continue to save lives in his passing. I'm a big advocate of uh, organ donation. I give a lot of credit to anybody that gives an organ while they're alive. But for those of us that aren't brave enough to do so while we're alive, like, uh, you know, the voice of the sick invite sounder that you heard earlier there, my friend Danielle, very bitter about uh, being excluded from our house on New Year's Eve. Sorry again about that, Danielle. Um, she gave a kidney to a coworker, which I think is a really impressive thing. My uncle John, same thing, gave a kidney to a coworker. Uh, so whether you're, there's a big need for organs. You hear all the people. I keep a list of our listeners that have been willing to, that that want to receive a new organ, mostly it's a kidney. So far, I have 11 listeners that listen to us and want a kidney. And so far, only one listener has been willing to give one. And I think it's no reflection on you, but it's a reflection upon the fact that not a lot of people are willing to give up their organs. Whether you're willing to do it when you're dead or while you're alive, I think it's such a great thing. It's really a wonderful thing to be able to save someone's life like this. And I think it says a lot about firefighter William Moon and his commitment to saving lives that he was just as passionate about organ donation as he was about being a firefighter. And kudos to his family for following through on what he wanted to do here. All right. We're going to talk JFK, the assassination of, and the documents involving in just a moment with a terrific historian by the name of Martin K.A. Morgan. He'll join us straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 